the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrier, your host. Great to be with you today on this Friday, June 24th, 2022. And uh, obviously, the topic of the day is the abortion ruling by the Supreme Court, who overturned Roe versus Wade today. In doing so, they did not make abortion illegal. They simply sent it back to the states to decide. States are doing different things. They're about there are several states, about 13, that had trigger laws where abortion, few of them, abortion is illegal immediately because of the Supreme Court decision. Some states actually go back to whatever their laws were on the books before the 1973 decision. The 1973 Roe v. Wade decision just outlawed, uh, just overturned basically all the laws on the books. But that, since that uh, decision is taken away, some states, that's the last law that they've got. And every state is going to take a look at their laws. So abortion goes back to the states. It goes back to the representatives. It goes back to the people in that sense that people are going to decide what abortion policy should be. And uh, what do you think about this? The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We want to do a couple of things today. We want to make sure that our audience has the right perspective. By that, I mean correct. You know, is what is being said out there actually true? Um, what are the things that we should understand about this decision? Many people are confused about it. Uh, many people have a really hard time understanding what um, this decision means today. People on the right and the left, a lot of things being said um, are not really true uh, out there. The president said that something like this has never happened, but there's actually a lot of uh, rights that have been given and taken away. Um, most of them are minor things. Some of them are major um, slavery, Jim Crow laws, uh, segregation laws, those kinds of things. Uh, those were rights for certain people that were taken away, rightfully so. And uh, this is it. If you're somebody like myself who believes that uh, everybody should have a right to life, that abortion is is the wrong decision to make, um, then today's a day where you feel like the Supreme Court got it right. You might think that the Supreme Court got it right even if you're pro-abortion um, because um, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of all people, uh, many people who are would consider themselves very pro-choice actually thought the Roe decision was a terrible decision legally. And that is ultimately how the decision today got started out with, that this was a terrible decision from the start. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, her argument was that in the Texas case, that was the Roe case, that they should have undone the most extreme parts of the Texas law. And what she said is they should have put their pen down. Instead, what they did was they went all the way and created new law, basically. They went all the way and they undid all the abortion restrictions in every state, and they created a new law, which is not their job. And she understood, as well as anybody in that profession, I think, would understand if they're honest with themselves, and many of them are, that it was terrible law. And one of the reasons that the states have the trigger laws and one of the reasons that there's a lot of things already prepared for the overturning of Roe versus Wade is because legal scholars have said for a long time it's not going to survive. 
and uh, it's not going to survive an originalist court, uh, a court that is going to go back and say, well, how are we supposed to be doing things? This tr- this case was not decided in the right way, so we're going to undo it. Constitution says nothing about abortion, therefore it should be decided by the states, and that's what they did. Uh, that is the decision that was made. One of the concerns that is going on right now that I want us to be aware of, and I'm I'm asking you to pray about it, I'm asking you to not participate uh, if it is violent, if you feel the need to go out and protest, if you feel the need to, um, on either side, you know, be a part of some kind of demonstration. We absolutely, I think, need to support the right to peacefully assemble for these things. But what is being planned and uh, beginning to play out a little bit is what's called a night of rage. Um, and, you know, I I shouldn't laugh, but if you have to plan your time of rage, then it's not rage. It's just... It just isn't. Um, as believers, the the violence that could happen, we need to pray against it. We need to not be a part of, of that. There are lots of political figures who are saying things today that are increasing the possibility of violence. The president in his speech today actually made a pretty good statement uh, about why we should not be violent. Play clip number four, Wilbert. I call on everyone, no matter how deeply they care about this decision, to keep all protests peaceful, 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 peaceful. No intimidation. Violence is never acceptable. Threats and intimidation are not speech. We must stand against violence in any form, regardless of your rationale. I was proud of the president for saying that because he has been rightly criticized with some of the other issues that we've been dealing with by not coming out and saying just that. We need to be against violent action with our protests and assemblies. Uh, We need to be for people having the opportunity to express themselves and to do those kinds of things, but we can't be for violence. What is disturbing is this conversation that the Supreme Court is not legitimate, that the Supreme Court is that this is not a legitimate decision or not a decision they had the right to make. It's a very interesting thing being said by people who are criticizing President Trump for saying the election wasn't legitimate based upon his feelings, but they're doing the same thing with what's happening today. Here is NBC's Chuck Todd describing this. Play clip five. Clip number five. Do we have that? There really is a, a lot of people who believe... This is a rigged court. Um, this wasn't this. It wasn't this court's makeup isn't, quote, fair and square. It isn't really representative of where the country is and even was. That is a outrageous statement. Uh, this is a rigged court. You know, when we're talking about rigged elections and other things like that, you really have to come out with some kind of evidence, something solid, if you're going to be making those claims. Otherwise, it revs people up because what does it mean? What does it mean if the court is rigged, meaning that there's something illegal about what happened here or genuinely illegitimate? It means something very bad for our republic, right? So that's why those those statements um, create people's – you build people's emotions into a place where they will go further than they otherwise would. Our California lieutenant governor, number two person in the state, Eleni Koulinakis, um, she was actually called out by somebody, uh, by Katie Tour on 
MSNBC, of all places, for her comments today. Play clip number six. Sadly, I think that this decision is delegitimizing the Supreme Court. Who is Clarence Thomas? Is he my Saudi Arabian father who's going to tell me what I can and cannot do with my body, with my life? That is the lieutenant governor of uh, California. If uh, Gavin Newsom gets reelected and if she gets reelected and uh, if Gavin Newsom goes on to be president, just wanted to throw that out there for some of you just to create some panic. Um, she becomes the governor. Um, Clarence Thomas, who is Clarence Thomas? Well, he is a justice on the United States Supreme Court. It's been there 30 years. Um, that's who he is. And actually, this is his job. Katie Tour, who uh, is the person working for MSNBC, interviewing her, she actually challenges her. Listen to this, play clip seven. But secondly, be prepared to live in defiance of these six people who think that they have the right to tell you what you can are do you with their body. To break the because, no. I thought that, are you telling people to break the law? I was glad she asked that question. And she goes, no, <laughs> because is it, that's, that is what's going on in these January 6th hearings, right? Just to uh, take a look at that is they're saying president Trump was telling the proud boys or whoever attacked the Capitol to break the law. That's the argument they're trying to make. So when Katie Tour says that it's very interesting with all the politics going on and she says, no, but then she continues down the same line of thinking. Play clip eight. I'm so sorry. I just I got I got to ask you something, because I, I know you I know where you, I understand where you're coming from, where you believe you're coming from. But in, in telling people to defy the Supreme Court, are you not worried about what message that sends for anything else the Supreme Court might rule on that you might agree with and others might not agree with? Katie, it's not my words. Uh, their own actions are undermining their legitimacy. This is a constitutional right that women have exercised for 50 years. I don't believe that it is legitimate for them to take that right away from us. Wrong as far as how to look at how our system works. You don't have to like the decision. You don't have to like the people on the Supreme Court. And and all sides should take a look at this. You know, whenever a decision is made by the Supreme Court, that's the decision. That's the system. If they made it wrong, then you need to work that they will undo it one day. But that is how our system works. And to use the word legitimate, uh, this is a a very significant term, and it it revs people up. We need to be thinking about the words that we use from our um, politicians. This is a play clip nine. This is Maxine Waters today. You see this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Women will be in control of their bodies. What does it mean we're going to defy the Supreme Court? What does what is the action that is being taken? Now, I think that there are actions legally that can be taken from the standpoint of passing laws. States can pass their laws now. California is passing their laws and other states are going to pass different laws. And if it is different than the the moral opinion that members of the court have, um, the court is saying that that's their right, that that is the right that they have as uh, state leaders. Play clip 10. This is uh, AOC. Illegitimate! 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 
So more illegitimate. Uh, that was uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, chanting with protesters out there. There's definitely, you know, a political side and, and both sides. Would, if the if the decision was the opposite, there would be people on the right saying this, uh, I suppose. Um, but I would hope that nobody is going to continue with the illegitimate case. Now, you can argue that, you know, there was politics played with particularly Gorsuch's um, position because of, uh, Mitch McConnell delayed President Obama's pick to join the Supreme Court until after the election. Uh, but he had the legal right to do that. Whether or not it was the right thing to do, people can argue about that. But he had the legal ability to do that. And then Gorsuch was approved in the normal way. Um, you can say stuff like that, but it's politics. Uh, that's how it goes. My point really with all of this is the violence, the the idea that the violence is okay. Some people, uh, I'm not going to play the clips, but there's a lot of clips on social media where people are just flat out saying, no, the violence is okay. And who are these people on the Supreme Court? Uh, it's the same thing that we're hearing about in these other hearings about hang Mike Pence, which would not have been the right thing to do uh, based on opinions that people have. Uh, we can't do this. We have to ratchet this back as a nation. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, Angie, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Angie. How are you today? I am well. Um, it's so interesting how these people want to perform violence against people who want to keep someone alive. But, of course, those same people are going to want to commit violence against someone that's unborn and then can't even speak for themselves. Yeah. And also, um, Biden is such a liar. It's so sad when our leader is such a liar. What is he uh, lying about today? Well, <laughs> you appoint from, <laughs> you know, the point that you made about uh, the Supreme Court taking away certain rights and he's claiming that, oh, this is the first time this has ever happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. You know, it's the politics of it, and I don't like it. It's not true. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Angie. Thank you for calling. And uh, just be praying against the violence today. I hope that that uh, doesn't happen. I want to play a clip. This is an interesting thing, just about where people's uh, hearts are on this thing. I would love to be able to really hear from President Biden what he really thinks, because his opinion, if you Google it, you can find out his his opinion is has changed significantly once he ran for vice president uh, on the abortion issue. And uh, this is him in 2006, okay? So this is before he was tapped to be uh, President Obama's vice president. I'll play clip number three. Well, I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. That's just 16 years ago when uh, Biden was a young whippersnapper, and that is was his opinion. 
His opinion changed when he became the vice presidential nominee. And his statements today don't reflect most of his statements during his career. Uh, President Biden has been somebody who, until recent years, has been profoundly against federal spending for abortion. He has been personally against abortion. Uh, His faith, you know, he's a Catholic, and he has upheld that part of his faith until recent years. You know, I don't know him. So he's a public figure. He says things in public, and you kind of you, so you got to be careful about this, but I, I could sit down with him. I'd like to know, Mr. Biden, what do you really think about this? Have you really changed your mind or are you doing this because it raises you money? And I say that to people on the right and left. There are studies out there that say that there are lots of pro-life Republicans who, who personally don't believe that, but it's how they raise money to win their district. And there are pro-choice Democrats who don't believe that, but raise money in their district. This is something that we, you know, as a, that's always been true in politics, okay? And it's always true with money. So in a way that's it's in a way that's it's not new, but it's always bad. And one of the problems that we have with this issue is we're unable to have a good conversation about it. There is a study that uh came out two years ago from University of Notre Dame. It's called How Americans Understand Abortions by Tricia C. Bruce, PhD. Notre Dame University and the McGrath Institute for Church Life. And it's a very, very detailed study on what people really think. All right. And here's some of the findings for this. And I think this is probably right. Um, Major finding number one, Americans don't talk much about abortion. They interviewed a whole bunch of people from a completely different, uh, from different perspectives and backgrounds. And these are some of the things they come up with is that we're not really comfortable talking about this. And part of it is because it's such a serious issue and we just judge people without listening to people, without having the ability to discuss nuances. Secondly, survey statistics oversimplify Americans' abortion attitudes. This goes into the, you know, the question, do you support the reversal of Roe versus Wade? Most people say no. Um, but if you get into it, what do most people support? They actually support what's happening now. Um, and that, by the way, makes me wonder if the night of rage, once that's those plans are over, and if this is really going to be as big an election issue nationally. The reason is that the Supreme Court basically decided something that Americans actually agree a lot more with in general. The statistics say that there are so many different approaches that people have to abortion in their thinking. Sometimes it's about religion. Sometimes it's about humanity. Sometimes it's about crisis, uh, different attitudes. Number three, they came up with the the labels are imprecise. And I agree with that. You've heard me say that the labels pro-choice and pro-life. What those labels do is they take abortion out of the conversation that pretty soon, if you're pro-choice, you're talking about um, women's reproductive rights or women's health care. We heard that from Nancy Pelosi today. She wouldn't use the word abortion. She would use the word women's health and women's re- to, and, you know, to me, if you're, if you can't say the word on any issue, if you have to use a euphemism to talk about whatever specifically is going on, then you don't really believe what you're saying, or, you know, you don't have a very good argument. You know, if your goal in talking about abortion and why it should be legal is to, turn the conversation into healthcare in general, then you don't have much to say about abortion then, I guess. 
On the pro-life side, that conversation often turns into other important issues, death penalty conversation, um, issues of immigrants coming over the border, poverty. All those are important issues. And you end up talking about those things, which is fine, and it's okay to draw consistencies. But if you want to talk about abortion, you got to talk about it. And this study talks about how those two terms actually are not helpful to the conversation because there's so much nuance and so much thinking that people have that is different uh, that those terms become politically charged and it makes it difficult to talk about it. Number four, abortion talk concerns much as much as what happens before and after as it does abortion itself meaning that uh, a, a lot of Americans think about abortion in terms of preconditions, alternative, after effects. There's a whole lot more to this subject that we think about, and I think that is important. For uh, If you're like me and you're on the side of being against abortion, if you're going to have that role, then you better be for adoptions and you better be for better care for women in crisis pregnancies. There's some meme that goes around about all these things about what men ought to do. Well, if you're pro-life, do you think that men ought to have child support uh, begin for that child? Do you believe that, uh, you know, a whole bunch of things? And the answer is yes. I think we should be holding men accountable uh, as they play a role uh, in um, these pregnancies. You can join our conversation. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll continue our conversation and your calls as soon as we get back. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. We're responding to the Supreme Court's abortion ruling today. And, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about is how do we move forward? What are the right steps? And I think that the hostility and rage that maybe some are planning, which is kind of funny on the left, um, what's that going to do? Ultimately, you know, on the right, there's some celebration and stuff that I'm wondering what that's going to really do. In Texas, Attorney General Ken Paxton declared June 24th an annual holiday for his agency. The uh, Attorney General's office, I guess, is how that would work uh, and everybody working with him. Um, And, you know, when I think about those kinds of things, when we think about abortion in 2022, did you know that more than half of abortions today are not done in a clinic. They're done by the abortion pill. When we think about this subject in today's world, that means it's happening at home, maybe with some doctor supervision and some things, but the world is changing. And if you're on the the life side and you're seeing this decision as a victory today, that's fine, but it's, it's a victory in a time when the entire conversation and the entire process and uh, way of doing abortion is also changing where, you know, I, I wonder, and I, I haven't seen any research on this one way or the other, but as we see abortion numbers ticking down and we do, they have reduced quite a bit. I'm wondering if there are lots of abortions that are not reported in those statistics because half the abortions now are being done at home. Are we surveying all those people? Are they counted you know, are we counting the number of pills or the number of actual, you know, how do we know this? If 51% is the statistic 
uh, of abortions now happening at home uh, with the pill. Maybe that number really is not going down. Maybe it's higher. You know how we there's still reporting going on about COVID-19 um, infections. The number's around 100,000 infections a day. It's just that that number is people who are actually going and getting tested and it's getting reported somewhere. It doesn't count all the people who have the in-home test who are testing themselves. I think that number is millions of people have uh, the COVID right now. I know so many people with it right now, I can't even tell you. Um, maybe, maybe the first part of this year is when I thought the most people had it. I had it. Maybe I just think it cause I had it, but you know, most of our church had it at one point and it's the Omicron or the subsequent variants. And so it's not nearly as deadly. There's about 300 people a day dying, which is a very low number actually, comparatively speaking. We care about those people, of course, but it's a very low number uh, of deaths and very low hospitalizations. But the statistics are probably wrong because we don't know. The cases are probably much more than what's being reported. Uh, For sure, that's true. I'm curious about it with abortion. And I wonder if in the abortion pill and how many people are dealing with that. And when I think about that, you know, it's so private at that point. How many people are struggling because you've done it this way and there's not even – uh, a clinician or a nurse who knows anything about it. You're very alone. Um, I think that's happening a lot. Uh, and if you're listening and you're one of these people, I want you to know that we love you and that there's grace that comes from God for these things, you know, and I know that you, you have to deal with it. You can put it, you can put it outside of your mind, uh, you know, for a while. But when we get into the relational aspect of this, it's something that's very, real. It's in every one of our churches. A lot of the pro-life activists who you see on TV, uh, many of them are there because they've had abortions. Uh, Some of them have hid that, right? And it comes out and some kind of uh, generates a scandal, right? Um, It's not a real scandal because you can come out and say, no, the reason I am a pro-life activist now is because I had one. Um, sometimes it is a scandal because you're an activist and then you got pregnant and you went out and had one and didn't tell anybody and you're a hypocrite, you know, is what the scandal will be. There is so much about this that is deeply personal, deeply private, uh, deeply, uh, painful for people. And that's just another reason why as believers, we need to speak boldly about this but recognize that the person you might be speaking to may have tremendous pain. Um, we And they might not even be the person who had the abortion. It might be a friend or a relative or a father who had no rights over his child. We had a caller once, uh, maybe a month ago, who for almost 50 years has been grieving uh, his unborn child. And he cried. He was crying on the phone uh, to us. You know, people carry these burdens with them for so long. And as believers, we have to be able to discern how we can have truthful conversation that is filled with grace, filled with mercy, along with the truth. Jesus was the example of this, right? He could sit next to the woman at the well. It's always the story. But he could do that with Zacchaeus. He could do that later with Peter when he confronts Peter for denying him. He could do this in such a way that he can be completely truthful, completely piercing right to the heart, but also full of grace and love. This is the posture 
of the believer in these issues that we should have. Before the break, you can give us a call if you want to respond and join a conversation. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. going through a study put out by uh, Notre Dame and um, the uh, – what are they called? The McGrath Institute for Church Life – and it is a very in-depth study on what people really think about abortion. When we look at all these stats and the the uh, opinions that are put out, they're they're often politically manipulated to fit whatever side we're on, and it depends on how you ask the question. Well, they took a bunch of people, divided them up into all kinds of different categories, um, their backgrounds, their faith or lack of faith or whatever, uh, their generation, their ages, and they came up with a lot of statistics. And when they really asked the questions and they got into the attitudes about abortions, this is one of the things that they discovered. On the question of the legality of abortion, um, 51% of people think it should be legal under only only certain circumstances, so a little over half, meaning usually that's rape, incest, life of the mother, those three things, that's it which is not very many abortions. Um, 35% thought it should be legal under any circumstances and 14% illegal in all circumstances. Does that surprise you? That in in-depth conversations in these in this study, 14% illegal in all circumstances, 51% legal only in certain circumstances, uh, and that's a wide range of different things there. Morality, uh, if you're asked the moral question, you know, is abortion morally acceptable? 33% said it's they are morally opposed to abortion. 38% said it depends. That's a whole lot of the rape, incest, life of the mother kind of people. Uh, maybe life of the mother would still fit into the people who are, have a moral objection to it. Uh, 29% is all who said they are not morally opposed when it gets in. And one of the things that they discovered in this is that in the moral opposition conversation, they found almost nobody wanted to have one that everybody had a pretty negative view about it, whether you thought it was okay or not is a different question, you know, legally or for society to do. But do you personally think it's good? And the answer is no. And that's another thing I think that we should be understanding with people is that most people, I believe, and you can call me up and disagree if you want to, but I think most people, even a lot of your pro, pro-choice people or pro-abortion people, if you're close enough friend with with them as friends, they might express, you know, I would never do it or I had one and I'm glad for these reasons or I'm not glad for these reasons. But what the survey tellers are showing us and what I've experienced in ministry is I found some people who are very certain that there's nothing wrong with it, uh, although I have some doubts that they really believe that. I've met a lot of people who are definitely far on the left pro-choice side who personally would say I'd never do it. Um, and who wince quite a bit when they see a sonogram and they see the scientific truth uh, about the unborn child. 888-528-2557. Baxley in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, Baxley. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, I am definitely on the pro-abortion, pro-reproductive you know, rights side. Okay. This is a sad news today to hear. I I get stuck on a couple points where 
this does kind of infringe on other religious rights, mm. and especially like people of the Jewish faith and the Muslim faith, where they do take precedent over the pregnant body before the fetus, especially in times of endangerment. And I also get concerned when I hear certain arguments about how there's abortions happening, like at nine months, where people change their mind, where those circumstances are usually like a D&E kind of situation where there's a health risk. And also, you cannot physically abort a baby after a certain size. It's really just not possible or even easy, or it it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So... I, I just get a little upset about, you know, church and state are getting real blurry, and that doesn't feel very good, where one religious rights are held higher in this country than others. And do you, do you feel like there's misinformation? That, and, go ahead. Do you feel like most people who are against abortion, is it only because they have a particular religious point of view? No, I don't know everybody who's against abortion, but I sometimes hear certain arguments that are not medically sound. Mm, yeah, I okay. I don't think it's all religiously brought upon, but that is a very loud group that uh-huh. speaks against abortion are usually more religious, um, evangelical, or very more conservative religious groups, but I would say more on the Christian side, whereas, again, in Judaism and Muslim religions, religions predominantly still believe that the woman is right to perceive the unborn child. Right. Um, so I don't you know, know how I, we rectify those, because I find that a little bit messy and unconstitutional that this mirrors and matches one thing, but it negates the other. Well, I think the decision today doesn't, you know, one of the things I think everybody needs to understand about the decision today is the decision does not make abortion illegal uh, from the federal standpoint, which is the role of the Supreme Court. Um, and I think that's where some people on, on both sides, but even on the, the pro-life side, you know, they, they view the idea of, oh, the Supreme Court made abortion illegal today. Well, no, the Supreme Court allowed the states to decide some states are going to make it illegal. Um, that is true, but they did not, there are some people who would have liked the Supreme Court to actually declare that the unborn child has constitutional rights to life and therefore abortion has to be illegal, uh, nationally. Uh, that's not the decision that the Supreme Court made today. Um, and I would agree with you and I got to go to a break, but I appreciate your call very much, Baxley. Thank you for sharing that. And, uh, I want to share this in the study that I've been in kind of going through, one of the things that it talks about is this very thing, Baxley, that you were saying. It's that some of the things that people say on both sides, but on the anti-abortion side as well, are not really true scientifically. Um, and we have to be really careful about that. It's, you know, I would, I would push back a little bit to say that abortions can't be done in the, you know, the ninth month. That's not true. They can be done. It's just very grotesque. Uh, you have to kill the child. Um, and there's a lot of debate about that. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And that's a lot of the, that's a lot of the conversation today. It's, if, if child, a child is viable and can feel pain, 
you know, if a child can feel pain, if a child can feel pain at 15 weeks and is viable at 21 or 24 weeks, meaning they could live outside of the womb, um, and they have their their DNA, you know, the science has changed a lot in 50 years. It it does raise a question of constitutional protection. Religiously, it raises the question of the value of life. And we have to talk about that. But we, we do need to be right uh, or to be working hard to speak factually as best as we can. That's one of the things that this uh, study suggests. It It talks about how hard it is to have this conversation. And it's one of the one of the reasons we don't is that people are not well educated on either side about the science or the law and the moral reasoning behind abortion. And because we can't talk about it very easily, it's it's hard to get into that conversation. You know, the the that's a big thing for I think people today and for the Roe versus Wade being overturned. What does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean what a lot of people on both sides are saying it means. That's the law part about the science. Nancy Pelosi said that the science hasn't changed in 50 years. That's not true. That's completely untrue. In fact, the reason most Americans now do not support abortion after the first trimester, most do support it in the first trimester, most do not after that, is primarily because of the sonogram and the ultrasound machine and the scientific advances that say, actually, uh, the child can feel pain, actually, the child can survive, actually, it's not a blob of cells. We're all a blob of cells. And that's changed. And then the moral reasoning, um, what are the, the multiple different moral approaches that people have to this? There are, there are Christians who would call themselves pro-life or pro-choice because their argument is it should be legal under certain circumstances, and I don't want to take that away um, if um, there is... a a need to save the mother's life, or if the child isn't going to survive birth anyway, those kinds of conversations you can get into. All this is to say is that if we want to move forward in a healthy way and not have nights of rage that are being planned or not to have violence, and people on the right have done violence historically in this in terrible ways back in the, uh, you know, in the 80s in particular, uh, you know, there was a lot of bombings of Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics and stuff done by people on the right. Uh, so you get some violence historically on both sides. The idea here is that if we can have better conversations, we're going to not have the violence and we're going to come to a better conclusion about life. As believers, I think this is the way we have to go because we need to be relating to the people that God placed in our life, even when they disagree with us on political matters or moral issues. We need to love people regardless. And we need to be people who are able to speak to the truth. I would believe as a Christian that the truth ultimately, the truth in society, the the actual ontological truth, which I believe in, ultimately is on the side of my faith, meaning that uh, God created the universe. It is done a certain way. We do have the the uh, we do need a Savior because human beings have fallen sinfully, that Jesus is the Savior, he died for our sins, and if you believe in him, you have eternal life. I believe that's true, and I believe that grace on the cross covers everybody, um, and I believe that all people are made in the image of God. I believe that spiritually. I think there's plenty of scientific evidence to support the humanity of the unborn child, but I also think that part of the way we do this is relationally, that we sit down and we love people. We sit down and we have relationship and conversation and we're able to really hear 
and support people. It's a, it's a much bigger conversation, and i got to go to a break, but I appreciate your call on that. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation today. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. Great to be with you on this day. We're talking about abortion, of course, the abortion decision by the Supreme Court today, overturning Roe versus Wade, effectively sending policy and legality about abortion back to the states. Many states are going to have different opinions about that. California will be very much a pro-abortion state. Uh, We already are. Many of the laws being considered um, are go even further in that direction, including a constitutional amendment, a California constitutional amendment um, that would support uh, abortion is being put forward. So that is the direction of our state, 888-528-2557. David from Culver City. Good afternoon, David. Hi there, Scott. You know, I couldn't resist calling for a few reasons. Number one, <laughs> You're very unfair to criticize Biden for changing his opinion on abortion. You Why is that? Trump changed his opinion. Trump used to be pro-life. He didn't okay, I would agree with you on that. Trump is pro-abortion and change. Okay. Well, that's very common in politics, and people can change their mind, number one. Number two, I, I think the legitimacy of the Supreme Court, I respect the Supreme Court, I respect law and order. We have to, we, I think we have to, uh, abide by them, but Mitch McConnell, by not allowing Obama to appoint Merrick Garland, and then the Republican Congress approving Coney, uh, uh, Coney Barrett within like a month of the end of Trump's presidency, I mean, that defies norms. That's what gives people, that, that's what causes people to lose confidence in institutions. Mm-hmm. And my third point is, uh, Justice Thomas's wife, Jimmy Thomas, has just resulted in, in so much bad blood, considering all of uh, Justice Thomas's opinions and everything. I mean, he's like, you know, clearly uh, was in favor. She was clearly in favor of subverting law and order. So, you know, I think for those reasons, I think this is a very complex issue. But I don't believe in violence, of course, and I don't believe that we should be doing anything violently repose this when a lot of people are questioning the legitimacy of the Supreme Court for those reasons. Yeah, you know, uh, I appreciate your call, David, and I thank you for those points. I talked about earlier today the McConnell one, and that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, people are questioning things. It's the idea that uh, now, he, what he did was legal, right? But it's definitely politics. What Mitch McConnell did by saying uh, uh, whenever uh, 2000, or 2016 was happening and the idea that uh, the president, President Obama, had a Supreme Court pick, and it was at the end of his term, and it was right before the election, and McConnell made the decision, we're going to wait until the election and to to do this. And he said it's traditional. I'm not sure that that's traditional. I don't know that that had ever happened before, but that was the decision he made, and uh, a lot of people do feel politically that he stole that seat from Merrick Garland. And um, there have been other people pushed in pretty quickly. Um, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, though, in uh, in an election year, was put through very fast by the same Republican. So there's some inconsistency there for sure. Uh, that's politics. I mean, that's that's legal, but I do think people question that. Um, 
President Trump, you mentioned, uh, you know, he's been all over the map on a lot of these issues, uh, left and right. So uh, I did earlier, I would like to know more about President uh, Biden's opinion because it's changed over 40 years. Uh, President Trump's has changed multiple times. He's been in, in different parties left and right, and he hasn't articulated, um, I think, a lot of in-depth about his moral stance on abortion or uh, some other things. It's harder to, I think, discuss that with a lack of a lot of record. With President Biden, you've got, what, 50 years of congressional record comments, things on the record, things that he's done on the Judiciary Committee, and you see this happen. And I would question why it is that in 2006, we played that clip at the earlier of the show, he was um, very much in the let's keep abortion legal but rare and safe category. And two years later, he's not. And now he is uh, about as far left as you can get. Uh, I do question those things. And I think it's fair to question President Trump or somebody on the right if they move from pro-choice to pro-life. And that happens to be uh, what raises them more money. Those are good questions for people. Um, you know, I'm not sure that it's fair to deal with a Ginny Thomas thing. I know that's uh, that might be getting into the weeds uh, for some of you in uh, some of the conversations. She'd sent some texts apparently uh, during the uh, after the 2020 election in support of the idea that the election was stolen. So Supreme Court uh, Justice's wife uh, doing that raises some eyebrows, of course, but the court did not rule in favor of President Trump or states that were seeking that kind of injunction. So it's it's just not there. And then I don't know. Everybody's spouse influences them somehow, but I appreciate those calls. Hey, everybody. Um, Obviously, we've had a lot to talk about today. We're out of time for today. But uh, I want you to know this, that uh, we can go forward in love. There's going to be a lot of things going on. Number one, pray against any violence if there are protests and things like that going on right here in our city. Uh, We do not need that. Um, That should not happen. Do not participate in, in that. Pray for the clinics that uh, help people who are in crisis pregnancies who do not send people just to get an abortion. Uh, They are under physical attack, and uh, we want to pray for them. And for Christians and for people, even if you're not Christian, if you're pro-life, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Now is the time for us to make sure that we're involved in helping women in crisis pregnancies, helping people have adoptions, adopting kids ourselves, all of those things. I'm out of time. For Southern California Live, I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back next week. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.